Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. This is just to let you know that the Cinema Catch-Up Club has an official Patreon page. If you'd like to become an official member of the club and get some bonus goodies, including early access material and bonus features only available to our patrons, then please join up at patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I am your host, Stephen Plant. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, it's one of the films that you have chosen. The audience at home, you all got together, you voted, and you decided, you said, Stephen, can we watch the film adaptation of Mortal Kombat from 1995? And I said, why not? So that's what we're doing today. That's right, we asked for your favourite video game adaptation, Mortal Kombat 1 Out, and we have got two people here someone who's seen the film, and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it's Kate Willoughby, everybody. Yeah, are we ready to get some combat that's mortal or immortal? Who knows? I don't. You certainly don't. So you haven't seen the film? No. Have you played any of the iterations of the Mortal Kombat Um, games? Is that where, um, like the arcade type game, where you fight and then they KO at the end? Like, and they play different characters. Sort of like what... um, what Nintendo has with like um, where you could be like Pikachu and like mm. uh, Mario, uh, Super Smash Bros. Super Smash Bros. Mm. It's like Mortal Kombat was what Super Smash Bros. is paying homage to. Is that? I, I'd is say that's that... ballpark. Your faces are like, no, it's not. We've been very polite. <laughs> well, well, this is just it. I also don't know much about Mortal Kombat. I'll be honest. I I played um, of the arcade. Um, street fighting games I played Street Fighter funnily enough uh, Street Fighter 2 was kind of the one that I was more okay. in okay maybe I've never played Mortal Kombat yeah. I've only ever played Street Fighter but Mortal Kombat I, I, I must have played it at one point or another but it's basically like super violent graphic versions of those kind of games so instead of like just hitting someone and they get knocked out you hit someone and then rip out the spine and beat them with it. That kind of thing. I think I remember some boys playing that like when I was a kid. Yeah. Because um, like my family, we didn't have video games. Like, mm. We had a Sega from an op shop. Yeah. And I had two games. Like so we did not have money to have stuff. So mm. yeah. Okay. I'm excited. So what, what do you expect then? Uh, aside from the fact that there may be some fighting. Um, Is this the one with Ming-Na Wen in it? I don't know. Uh, is she in it? No, I've I have not, no idea. I don't know. I don't okay, because I like I I feel like because uh, Ming Na Wen is like very good and like she, Agents of Shield and she's really good at fighting and I think she was in like a fighting movie in the nineties and I don't know if that's true because um, some fans were talking about like how she but maybe she was in Street Fighter. I don't I don't know. Okay, um, but, but basically coming into this. Completely fresh. Fresh. I have no idea. Maybe there are levels. Do they have to pass a level each time they defeat someone? Yeah. Are they immortal? Like, why is it? Yeah, I'm excited. And why is combat spelt with a K? That's the thing. I, mean, I want. That's to another know. thing. You know. Yeah. All right. Well, joining us as a guest who has seen the film, it is uh, the man who's bringing the goods, Mr. Robert Woods. Hey. How are I, you, Robert? I am fine and dandy today. Oh, brilliant. Okay. And uh, <laughs> Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. I also <laughs> never actually played the games. 
and I don't really know anything about the games, but I was obsessed with this film when I was 10 years old, and mm-hmm. I watched it more often than anyone probably should have. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, what can uh, people who have not seen this film, or indeed played the games, what can they be expecting from the Mortal Kombat film? Some fighting, a lot of cheese... And glorious, glorious 90s computer graphics. That's just very... The cheese really threw me off. That was like a left fielder right there. Okay. Mm. Okay. By glorious, I presume you mean both good and not so good. Mm. By today's standards, it certainly um, wouldn't wouldn't pass the muster in Mm. even a video game. Um, But I love them all the same. All right, okay. uh, Ming Na Wen. I can confirm was in Street Fighter. Oh, and not see, Mortal Kombat. she was. I got the wrong one. Yeah, in fairness, they're basically the same. I'm assuming. You know, that's <laughs> that's not a controversial statement to say. Maybe right? it is. You have no yeah. idea. It's it's Mario, right? It's it's like Mr. Mario running around and saving Princess Zelda. Is that how this works? Basically the same yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Uh, I am of course kidding. They are very distinct and different properties, which we are about to discover. Shall we watch Mortal Kombat? Yeah. Yay. For those of you listening at home, uh, pop in those DVDs and prepare to finish him as we watch Mortal Kombat! Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Mortal Kombat from 1995. Joining me once again, we have Mr. Robert Woods. Howdy. And Kate Willoughby. Hello. Kate, that was your first time watching it Mortal was. Kombat. What do you think? It, oh, man, it was, a, it was a lot in good and bad and also confusing, um, but, oh, but there were moments that won me over. Mm-hmm. So enough that when the ending happened, I was like, oh, you know what? I probably would watch the sequel. Like, enough for me to go, oh. yeah, okay, but I've heard it shit, so I won't. Yeah. But, like, yeah. it, it was when the movie finished and they got ready to fight, I was like, yeah, yeah, bugger it. Yeah, mm. I'll do it. So you didn't actively dislike this film? No. There are some acting choices that I did not like. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, one actor that was miscast terribly. Um, <laughs> but like, and also lots of exposition. And I think they were trying to find a plot out of a video game and they did a relatively good job, mm. but there was so much, so much exposition, like too much in one area where you're like, yeah, no, we get it. We, we get it. And then there's others. You're like, wait, why is he obsessed with this white woman? Like, why does he want her? Like, that's never explained yet. We have to hear multiple times that he, he's the chosen one. But it's never explained why he's the tr- like. So it's mm. like they gave exposition in some like wrong areas. But mm. like overall, though, like not too bad. Some of the fight sequences could have been filmed um, better. But then mm. there are other fight sequences in the fight that are done really well. So I think that's the whole movie. It's like, oh yeah, uh, what <laughs> mixed bag? Yeah, A real mixed bag. Yeah. Mixed bag. I mean, this was this was my first time watching it as well, and I'm like you. I'm not massively familiar with Mortal Kombat. Um, but like there's enough of that kind of just like vague like zeitgeist knowledge of the fatalities and you know characters like yeah that those lines or sub-zero or like i know i know the names 
Johnny Cage and, and Lou, Liu Kang and things like that, just vaguely, but I don't really have a sense of the characters. I feel like this film doesn't do a terrible job in like establishing some very basic characters. This this is not a film that is a deep character study of what it means to fight, what is the human condition. It's literally, let's get some dudes throwing some fists at other people who are also throwing fists. Like, and I think it kind of accomplishes that, Rob. Yeah, I think so. Um, I like that they, they kind of choose, Mortal Kombat games have a massive cast. So they've just chosen basically three characters to act to bother to flesh out and mm. then the rest of them are kind of just this rostrum of dudes that come in and get killed and then the next one comes and you like they all have like one or two interesting things or superpowers about them mm. um but really they just give like you know a tiny flaw to each of these three <laughs> characters and they they vaguely overcome them and it it's a just it's like just enough to make it feel worthwhile at the end, I think. Yeah. <laughs> to go along for this ride. Yeah. I mean, I will say, in terms of while we're looking at the positives, it's the best opening to a film where you just have Mortal Kombat! Oh, that was great. And that music. That, that yeah. was great. I was that like, oh, man. Music was my childhood. Yeah. I was like, man, this is this starting really good. And mm. it was, yeah. And it is one of the great aspects of the game experience. And I think it's one of the things that Mortal Kombat had over other arcade style fighters like street fighter is that it just had such an iconic song it had such an iconic bit of music maybe not quite at the same level as something like the super mario music but maybe like the next step down like Mm. you know it's as soon as it clicked there was like a bit of me that remembered being like six around the time this film came out and going like oh that's right this is exciting (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's a beautiful strong start where it's like if you had any doubt what film you were coming to see and what the experience was going they to be scream like. Scream it in your face yeah, twice. Yeah, and they do the classic like video game <laughs> opening. It's like, so what was cool was that Flying it did. Logo. Yeah, it did the cool like opening like a video game, but then you're in the movie. So when they're fighting, you see the fight and then the character, the villain looks directly at the camera, which a mm. lot of the time in the video games, it's like, you have to do this. This mm. is your hero journey. Ha <laughs> ha, I'm evil. And then you're like, oh, it's just like in a video game. And then you wake up and you're like the leading character so i mm. thought that was done really well like it felt like when you play the opening of a video game before you start playing is mm. that kind of opening sequence which mm. yeah and it sets up the wants of our main character Liu kang very very explicitly it's he just killed your brother time for some revenge like that yeah. it's and that's all it is that's all yeah. you need really yeah right. because the, the characters themselves at least certainly at the time that this film was made would not have been terribly well fleshed out um we've we've obviously had 30 years of these games now with various iterations and different attempts at telling stories or maybe not telling stories i guess but you know people have had had like much more time to ruminate on these characters since the film i think the film does a pretty okay job of it though like i wasn't sitting there going i mean i was sitting there going ugh at certain things (laughs) but none of it was like that's that's bad some of it was lazy but none of it was like objectively terrible no i think they did a good job of like well look they wanted to introduce the three characters and they did that to be honest i think they really should have just focused on like was it, oh, i'm bad with the character names luke Liu so, Kang. L- uh, like the yeah, L- yeah. It's, yeah Liu kang is yep yeah. okay yeah so i really feel like they should have focused more on him and like and let the other characters sort of meet him at the boat and that's when mm. you get their character because really all you got 
like it was a cool callback when um the actor dude um did the final lines at like Johnny Cage Johnny Cage to drop. yeah like that was a cool that made it worth having to sit through that whole scene with because mm. realistically the it's guy a holding fun, the it's ma- a bit of a fun fake out fight sequence at the start it there, does like, yeah and like, that's uh, i guess it's that, like what this is kind of a lame fight sequence is this what this is gonna be and then they're like that oh is it's true. a film set mm. it's that is true his worst yeah. fighting was on that film set yeah. um so that is true i guess i just think for time or like characters mm. like i mean it's not a long film <laughs> no it's only about 100 minutes compared to like yeah. compared to oh well i started to think what this new one's gonna be like uh, <laughs> given today's standards of length yeah i guess storytelling i guess like because the fight scene worked but i think it was and it was cool but it was one of those things where it was like they could have established her and the guy like at the boat scene like i think it was just one of those where i think if you focused more less on those two the agent and the actor Mm. um and let them help be an, an ensemble for the um for the other guy, Luke. Um, and Lou. 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 So it's Lou Kang, not Lou Kang. Luke Kang. Kang. Yeah. yeah. Um, for Lou. <laughs> Look, I don't even know. I don't know any of their names. In right? fairness, they said his name like maybe three times I in the know. film. It really... <laughs> names didn't seem to be a big thing. It's in thing. the song at the end. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> but I think they should have... Maybe if they said their names enough in the movie. No. Um, uh, yeah, I think that they... I, I don't know. Like, I feel like that could have been the stronger mm. focus. And I think that, and then the princess thing would have made more... It, I don't know, they did a good job at certain aspects, but at the mm. same time, I feel like if they had just sat down just a little bit longer, I think they had a stronger story in there, mm. but they didn't. Like, it was there. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it. It's all very surface level. I think, yeah. I think they're just covering their bases and trying to cram in as many characters mm. and give them screen time as they can. Mm. And I think they did a good job. And also, the characters all felt of the world there was no character that maybe there's no character for me that stood out and i was like why have they jammed you in here like i yeah. felt like i felt that goro was great i love the the effects for the forearmed like I was dude done pretty well, yeah. yeah yeah like considering this film's 25 years old as well it, it looked this film looked pretty good and like not a not a big budget film as well yeah. for the time like even for the time it wasn't it was a it was a new line cinema like one of their I don't. I think it was the first video game film since Mario Brothers, which was like the well, first one. Definitely, I'm guessing would have made their money back. I've got a vibe that this was like a huge hit. Mm. It, yeah. it did. It did okay. Un- unlike Mario, as you said, which I think scared some people off uh, yeah. making video game adaptations for a good couple of years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the only film that comes to mind that was released between this was the Street Fighter film, which was the year before this. Yeah. Um, but that would have been in production at the same time as Mario, before Mario came out. I don't know that they would have said, yeah, let's make Street Fighter had it been pitched a bit later, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Um, but, I barely remember Street Fighter. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think this this film, it does okay. I mean, Sonya Blade, um, our, our, our lead female character, is fine while still being tropey. Yeah, there was there was there wasn't again. The, everyone's quite tropey in this film, so I didn't I didn't feel as though it was a specific um, agenda of the filmmakers. But there were these certain nineties isms which um, were very much uh, annoying UK because uh, I, I could tell because I was sat next <laughs> to you. But you know they were irritating myself as well watching it. Just little things like 
well, specifically when she's dressed like an 80s glam rocker in that final sequence when she's been captured. And for some reason, the baddies have just put her in like a different outfit. Yeah, for like no reason. Um, Very gem in the holographs. <laughs> yeah, just no reason. And it clearly didn't even, it didn't fit her that well. Like it was just one of those things where you're like, why? Uh, that doesn't make any sense. Um, mm. But also just like that classic meat cute, I wouldn't even call it that, with the two people. The actor and the knives girl, whatever oh, yeah. their names are. Johnny Cage and Sonya Blade. Uh, Johnny Cage, okay, Johnny Cage and Sonya Blade, okay. Um, <laughs> like when they bump into each other and they have like their mean words, I just rolled my eyes because mm. I was like, okay, this is the part where I hate you. And by the end of the movie, we're going to like each other because heteronormativity states that we must. Mm. And, uh, you know. and also, we're the two... White, white actors, actors yeah. and there's going to be like an Asian female character coming up in like 20 minutes that obviously we're going to imply that Lou has to get with yeah. so which again barely gets any impl- like she's 10,000 years old like uh, there's no real like <laughs> they were just like yeah she's a woman you're a man off you go yeah when like realistically the character traits of the two actors it actually would make more sense for um, Sonya and Lou to get together because, mm. like, they're both seeking revenge mm. from their partner and their brother, mm. and they both have run away and tried to do stuff on their own. Mm. So then, in the end, they learn to ask for help, and the egotistical asshole should learn. He doesn't learn. He mm. learns fuck all because he <laughs> he gets the fight, and then he wins, and then he's like says something nice to her, and then checks her tits out, like. He, he becomes more tolerable. It's like they're like, oh, classic douchebag. Like, mm. But then he's meant to learn to be a better... Pe- I don't know. Like, character trait-wise, those two just didn't make sense for tropes, except that's what... Yeah. It, just, yeah. yeah. It, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily uh, the best bit of the film, I think. is. Yeah, <laughs> is you didn't kind... even need it. Yeah. They, they, they didn't even give them a kiss. They're like, nah, we're not even going to bother honest, looking at that. The, like... the 10-year-old me that saw this film, uh, mm. watched this, did not think about any of that and was yeah. fine with them not kissing at the end I and liked... not getting together. Yeah. And yeah. I all I cared about was the cool fights and some awesome special effects yeah, for I the do, time. I do like that they didn't show any kissing. It's just very heavily implied tropes or maybe they had the scene and then they're just like, like everyone everyone's just kind of arm in arm at the end and like they're all kind of together as a bunch like yeah. yay earth team we did yeah, it. I yeah, I think they did do a good job. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a kiss scene and then they were like oh, no, it ruins the pace because we're about to have this big fight. Um yeah, we'll just have them do a cocky side off thing, nice dress line. Like I yeah. I don't know. I, or maybe it was they couldn't kiss because they already had so much violence that if they added kissing, maybe the rating would change. <laughs> They're like, oh man, we're like borderline with America in the 90s. We can't have because kissing. They, they couldn't do what they do in the video games because it would alienate the largest yeah, market of their audience. You could tell that this was, this was these were brutal fights that would hmm. definitely... They go easy on the like yeah. blood and gore. Like, there's no... Unlike the games, there's not really... It's, it's, a, it's a kid ish friendly like teen friendly it's yeah. teen friendly movie. I'll, I'll be honest it felt like slightly more mature power rangers yeah that's that's yeah. what it felt like and it it worked i mean there was still some cool stuff like um scorpion with the the stuff that came out of his hands like even though it looks quite fake now yeah it was still effective seeing like the skin yeah, fall back. yeah and it still evoked a reaction same with um um when 
reptile ended up inside the statue and then all the bugs came yeah, out and stuff like that like there was, there was just like good use of stuff that make that would make a kid go uh worms <laughs> also the ladder dungeon cave fight yeah that was like i think that was the best fight sequence shot like, yeah that was really well done yeah um, using the shield which set him on fire and then like cut his skull like part way yeah. down and guts coming out as well as fire and then an explosion like he realized <laughs> one part of it exploded hence the rest of his body i will run away and yeah. like the, just the hand flies it like, was wonderful yeah <laughs> I, yeah and i think that's the thing that this film does really well i think rob brings up a really good point is that this is a film about a bunch of video game characters fighting and just bringing what that world is like to life and it is dumb and it's violent and it's great mm-hmm. in that it revels in that i still wouldn't say it's the greatest film ever made but it's not the point no um, oh no it's not yeah. there looking for prestige it's like we are what we are mm. and you'll like it or you won't whatever um speaking of liking or won't liking uh the character of raiden as played by Christopher Lambert. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Rob, because I feel like you might be quicker on this. Um, <laughs> how, what did you think of the Highlander being I in this? I love Christopher Lambert in this film. I love Christopher Lambert in this film so much. It's ridiculous. I, 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 I understand that you might not feel the same way, but uh, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's the nostalgia. It's the, the weird tongue-in-cheek fourth wall breaking humor uh it's it's the just such an odd choice as mm-hmm. well that it amuses me <laughs> and i feel like it amused the the producers and the director as well mm. <laughs> um yeah kate christopher lambert God, every time i just hated him so much here's the thing though like the tongue-in-cheek like the my that funny line of him laughing and then going oh sorry because like he was talking about death and he was like oh my bad um because he's a god and he doesn't really care but mm. um but so yeah tongue and cheek great fourth wall breaking fantastic terrible casting choice like it was just his deep voice and an accent that made no sense it's yeah, a choice it it's was, a choice it's, the, uh, it's a bad it's a... choice it's a bad choice <laughs> I mean, uh... it's like um what is it that movie, um, uh, you know, oh, hi, Mark. Um, oh, Tommy Wiseau, yeah, the Yeah, Tommy Wiseau. Pretty much they were like, what would, like you said, if Tommy Wiseau was in a movie, this would be, like, his accent choices. He was like, yes, yeah. oh, you I must. I think that's just his accent. Is it? Yeah. Is it? That's... I mean, he is French-Canadian. Yeah. It could, it could be Maybe something to do with that. Maybe that is just his actual accent, which if that's the case, I'm sorry, dude, <laughs> but it's a weird accent and i mean like it's it, it's it becomes doubly weird when he's got long white, white hair, hair and like that the um uh, asian like rice and, and, oh yeah because they were the... like oh we're gonna have this hat because that's in the video game yeah look i'll give them the point that they needed that to establish that people that knew the game knew who he was yeah and then got rid of it as quickly as yeah. possible yeah. and so they were self-aware enough to be like well, look we've got this white guy in traditional asian in, clothing in traditional asian clothing with white long hair we can't have him wearing this bloody hat the whole movie <laughs> like so they were self-aware enough which fine good for them but like that was the thing i was like is he meant to be asian is he meant to be a scottish like thor sort of nordic god then mm. why is he wearing that clothing it's sort of like i guess like in um doctor strange where they're like oh yeah we'll cast a white woman to be this role oh but Mm. she won't be asian she'll be nordic Mm. um but at the same time her clothes are still gonna be 
Asian now, <laughs> like like this Oriental quote unquote style. So he was very confusing. I've never played mm. the game, so maybe that. But you just uh, every time he came on stage, uh, on stage, on screen, I was I just just. Ugh. I mean, for one thing, his voice. Was sounded gloriously like Peter Law at points. Yeah. You know, you're expecting him... Like, if Peter Law was still alive when they were making this film, it would have been great just to have him going, I am the god of thunder. I will... We will go fight in the mortal combat. <laughs> Sorry. Like, you're expecting yeah, that. and that's the kind of voice that doesn't match that character at mm. all. And I'm just like, I'd like to listen to what the voice in the video game was like. Like, mm. did he listen to it and go... Did yes, that's what I'm... I don't know. Like, that maybe they did. And he was like, cool, I'm going to try and copy that samples, voice. I, think. I don't know, man. But I think that was the one casting choice that threw me out of the movie, which is so stupid because it's just a bunch of people fighting. But mm. everybody else, every other casting choice, I was like, yeah, man, I, mean, I believe that. To be fair, he's like, out of this cast at the time... He's, he was the big name. He's the one. only name. Mm. He's the only name actor. And, in and this that just film. shows that sometimes that's not the right choice. Like <laughs> they could have got an unknown, and I think he could have done a really good job. I don't know, man. I don't know. I do have to say though, it is really nice to know that if Netflix was around twenty five years ago and they were making The Witcher, what it would have looked like because <laughs> it would have been Christopher Lambert. Oh my it god! It would have been him. He would have had that hair. Chances are, he would have had that voice. Oh yeah, because that's well, that's the voice in The Witcher. Yeah, I, that took me so long just to get used to that voice. And mm. like, yeah, I think if they were doing it today, yeah, yeah, they would just get The Witcher from now and throw him in, and you would have. Well, well, I mean, they are making, as you said before, Rob, an, a Mortal Kombat film that's due for release next year. I don't think Henry Cavill is in it as Raven. Um, no. But but what are your expectations for for the? I guess remake. Is it a remake of this film, or is it just adapting? I, look, I have no idea. Okay. Um, I, I presume it's a, a reboot. Mm. Um, well, the only things I do know about it, because I did a little bit of research, um, is that it is being directed by Simon McQuaid. Uh, sorry, McQuaid. Uh, this will be his featured directorial debut. Um, but then again, the director of this film, this was his second film. Uh, it's Paul Anderson. Paul Anderson. Paul, Paul W.S. Anderson. Yeah. Not to be confused with Paul T. Anderson. They're yeah. Very different filmmakers. Very, very different. Um, and that the screenplay is by Greg Russo and Dave Callahan. So, you know, they got... So, uh, I'm expecting your typical generic blockbuster plot lines. Mm from today yeah and it is a reboot of this film specifically see because the storyline of this movie is Mm. quite like pretty interesting i've got like there are 10 like battles like 10 rounds of like in a lifetime and once and however many we win in a row and we've lost nine and this is the first time this has ever happened in such a long time stakes establish those stakes and i thought that was a really (laughs) cool idea so i think the cool concept of them wanting to go okay we need to make mortal kombat again that's a cool storyline. Cool, we've only got one more fight, and then, or else we're screwed. That's interesting. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Mm. Raiden is being played by a Japanese actor in the new film as well. Uh, he's being played by uh, Tabanobu Asano. So, <gasps> yeah. Ichi the Killer. Dad's. Holy. Yeah, so he will be playing moly. Raiden. And, uh, yeah. Maybe he's, he's also a great director. Yeah, he may he may do a slightly better job than Lambert. Maybe that's oh, exciting. Okay, that, that, that does okay, actually that, make me more interested because mm. yeah, that makes me excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rob's uh, vibrating with excitement. I'm in a the big ball. fan. Yeah, um, 
did we have a favourite set piece in this film? Any 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 particular moments? Because I do have to say, I was really impressed, largely with how the visuals worked, how most of them held up. Some of the CGI didn't quite work, but it was still you were still able to tell what everything was. There wasn't that lot. It's very colourful, isn't it? Yeah, um, colourful lining. Yeah, yeah. some great set pieces. Like the you get the idea that the video game backgrounds. Um, for each stage are different because just each fight just takes place on a radically different yeah. area like outdoors and indoors in caves and then on mountains and then on the beach hmm. um, and that's it's it's just visually it's a bit of fun yeah whoever designed it clearly looked at the video games and then used it really because there were clear like again i've never played it but there was a clear scene like um the ladder dungeon cave scene and also the, the where the ice guy and lou were fighting and mm. it, and he walked down the stairs oh, yeah. we were taking the piss at how this character was walking but it actually did look like how a video game from an arcade era character would walk. Yeah, with his legs bowed out. And, and then with his arms boop, boop. moving side to side. <laughs> and like in that blue room with the water and the ice and like mm. going down the stairs and like that whole shot actually looked like you're about to play a video game and they clearly, and the set looked really good. Like I think so, I don't know, they utilised the set and I liked that it was colourful because a lot of movies, they're starting to get colourful again. Mm. Um, in blockbusters anyway i would like to thank taika watiti because after thor ragnarok i mm. think people were like producers were like oh so blockbusters can be big and colorful and not be like blue or, <laughs> or, or beige like you can actually have like color so it was cool watching mortal kombat and seeing a 90s thing where it was like just color like everywhere yeah everyone had had that kind of blue purple and orange red lighting from one side and the other yeah and just like the loved it <laughs> very very high contrast color lighting yeah mm. i really like the scene in the um the the tree orchard field oh yeah. i just like the yeah. the visuals of the 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 trees and, and that crazy little who was that um scorpion's hand thing mm. chasing yeah. johnny cage around is so ridiculous and mm. wonderful <laughs> yeah that was like a natural shot which i like they looked around they found an area and they're like oh mm. yeah we'll have a fight here this looks good like it was the only area that wasn't dressed they're like yeah uh, this looks cool like, yeah. yeah and uh, the film has a pretty good climax um you know um we we see redemption for Liu kang with his brother um you know he defeats the evil sorcerer and then all the souls fly out the body and his brother's soul comes out and they have actually quite a touching farewell okay i'm gonna be real i did tear up a little bit oh really yeah because the acting was done really well and the dialogue was actually really sweet Mm. you know like we'll meet again but until then you know my spirit's always going to be with you and i was just like i was like yeah and like it it, there was some good acting in there Mm. which maybe i don't know if i'm just feeling quite positive because i was i was expecting this to not be very good i'll be honest yeah same my bar was pretty low yeah but that's good but maybe that helps (laughs) i I think it does um but also with the expectation of being like you know it's the mortal Kombat film like i'm not i think we have this thing largely with video game based films in general though is that if you know it's a video game film adaptation and you're not familiar with the video game franchise, I think there is that expectation that it's probably going to be not good. And Traditionally, they they haven't done well. Yeah, and I, I, do, I do wonder why that is, given the popularity, certainly, of 
video games, uh, particular video game franchises, is it simply because you can't tell the same stories in a non-interactive screen medium? Is is it that the reason we atta- are attached to Mario, for example, um, is that when we play as Mario back in the 80s to, or even now, we attribute his successes and failures in getting over the block with ourselves. And then when we see Bob Hoskins playing it and kind of not really know what's going on, we're just kind of like, Bob Hoskins, what are you doing? That's not how Mario works. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that older games didn't really have intense plot because mm. arcade games, you didn't need, like you'd have a basic, this is the battle for us to survive the world and the, mm. all the fighters come together. Like, mm. that's all you need. But there's no like big character depths that maybe only the ca- maybe only the game creators know, but it's not something that you play. Well, say something like now, um, like my sister loves playing like The Last of Us, mm. where there seems to be... It's coming very- to HBO. Yeah, which is... Is yeah. it? So it's becoming oh. a TV series, and when I've seen... Got it made Chernobyl. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, that will be grim. <laughs> it will be very grim, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's one of those things where I've, when I've watched people play it, um, and even same with the Spider-Man video game that came out. Mm. Um, I was watching it and there was a huge plot that was going through that for mm. me, I enjoyed watching people play because mm. I was seeing this overarching story mm. that was happening in the game. And I think that when you're adapting those ones, it's a lot easier because then you go, well, the plot's right here and mm. the dialogue scenes are there. As long as our action sequences are really cool, then we should be fine. But I think for other video games, older ones where it's like, come on, Mario, like... What plot well, it's, is It's there? harder to establish uh, a plot and a, a character as fleshed out as we're used to having now when you've only got, like, a computer that shows 8-bit graphics. Exactly. Uh, like, you, you don't... They, they didn't have the space for that in the games. Yeah. So they're very basic, and Mortal Kombat is, you know, one of the classic arcade games. Yeah. I, I don't think that had... I don't think anyone playing the games in an arcade in the early 90s had much idea of the lore of of these characters (laughs) which again maybe the game creators might have had like they might have had in their own when they were building them up might have written their own thing just to help them when they were creating the small bit of dialogue maybe um but like again i think that's why they actually did a surprisingly good job of creating a plot for this movie but i think mm. late older games it's hard to do it yeah i mean i, I was just having a quick uh, a quick search online then um whether or not there's ever been a film based on the legend of zelda which feels as though it's something that should have happened by now maybe um or is something that potentially could work but then at the same time do we need it when that particular story has found its medium mm. in interactive entertainment and like you know people talk of breath of the wild as being one of the most significant things in media let alone video games of the last five years um yeah i I suppose it's that thing of something like mortal kombat makes sense particularly in the 90s because it's quick get the kids in the cinema cash grab kind of idea um but well since since the um the super mario brothers movie Mm. Um, and how badly that was that that did in the public eye, Nintendo balks at the idea of adapting any of their properties, and it's only uh, the last year or so that they've actually finally said, "All right, we'll give you an American studio the rights to make a Mario CG animated mm. feature film, which is happening now." Yeah, and we've we've started to see like some characters from their properties in things like Wreck It Ralph, mm. but they're not. 
it's not a story about them. It's just, look, here's Bowser in this villain's meeting. Like, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I think it's also just, like you said, like, why do you need to? I think there is sort of an inherently um, lack of respect of video. Like, I don't really play video games, but I sort of respect the medium as a different kind of art form. Mm. But I can understand a lot of people going, well, no, that's not, you know, we need this to be a movie so it's legitimate, but mm. also so they can get money off the people that play the video games. Yeah. But then at the same time, they change it so much to get the people that don't play the video games to get onto it. And I think mm. that's the hard part is that if you want to adapt a video game, you have to acknowledge that, well, it's not just for the people that play the game. Mm. You're making the movie for people that have never played the game. Mm. Maybe will never will play the game, mm. but maybe they'll enjoy the movie enough that maybe they'll get to the game. And I think that's where a lot of companies make the mistake is that mm. they try to make the movie for the people that play the game and they've already played it they know the world so it's never going to be the same because like you said they're the ones that are making the character choices mm. well I think like for me like I really liked the new Tomb Raider movie that came out my sister who played the video game did not okay. but for me I had never played the I had never played the video game so she enjoyed it but she was like mm, it's alright but I was like oh my gosh mm. what's going to happen I have no idea because it's not <laughs> a game that I've played yeah so it's I not a story you've experienced in that other medium yeah, yeah so I don't know and I think it's also interesting the types of video games which are adapted so for example I don't think we'll ever see like Stardew Valley or Papers, Please, or The Return of the Obra Dinn ever made into, like, film or well, the screen Well, let's not forget, there is an emoji movie. Yeah. Okay. They literally I, made it's unlikely about emojis. Then. I'll, I'll, I'll paraphrase. I'll change yeah. that. It's unlikely we'll see something like Papers, Please turned into a film. Sure. But but I could certainly see something like, well, like Last of Us, as you say. I could see God of War mm. potentially being adapted. Definitely. Now, now that... It's very narrative driven. It is. It's got strong character work. And it's all yeah. about gods and stuff. And if they were going from like The Witcher and Game of Thrones, it mm. really matches the. What about Minecraft? Aesthetic. They've been developing that film for years. My, yeah, that feels as though it's more in the Mortal Kombat realm, though, of like. What is the story here? <laughs> kids like this. This makes money. Get them in there. Um, same, like, I could see something like Overwatch potentially being a similar situation to to this except for the fact that obviously blizzard controller and blizzard have not traditionally done much with film with the exception of the warcraft film and that felt like it was them testing the water yes uh and it maybe is not quite right the right temperature for them at this stage um <laughs> but I, I think it is just a fascinating thing to see how it will develop over the next couple of decades because the landscape of both film and video games has changed massively since 1995 Oh yeah, there was very clearly a dominant paradigm of film above video games in '95, yeah. mm. and it was like Mortal Kombat. You should feel welcome to have a sort of okay film made in our medium, um, but not like, so anymore. Yeah, no, I mean, you get actors that are doing acting roles in films that are using their image and in the, the budgets of of these uh, AAA games mm. that far exceed blockbuster. Features mm. and the amount of money that they make on video games, you mm. could argue, mm. outweighs what. Like, so it is the mm. it's this weird thing where they're technically the dominant medium, but it's like the cool kids, which is cinema, don't want to acknowledge it. Like, mm. like cinema is dying. Like well, when a pandemic also, was happening, 
they lost a huge chunk of their revenue because people weren't going to the movies. But video games, they were like, oh, man, you can... You can keep playing. You can still play. Like, we've still got new content coming out. Mm. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it has slowed what they could produce because obviously people couldn't go into offices and work. but they could have more people playing. Yeah, and you were still able to work on some content for video game formats. You were less restricted than, say, a film set where people have to be in close quarters um, or generally have to be in close quarters. Um, I think it's a generational thing as well because... mm. My age group, uh, and just slightly older than me as well, uh, kind of the first generation that has have grown up with computer games existing um, in the house Mm. for for their lifetime. Mm. So I think we're more open to experiencing more artistic and narrative driven stories and stuff in the format of a video game than my parents would be for sure like they mm. trying to get them to sit down and enjoy a video game would be impossible mm. Mm. yeah no i completely agree i mean yeah i guess but they'll watch a movie <laughs> yeah i mean i guess it is generational but also just how the medium has been done in such a long time and mm. i mean there's a huge argument about you know there's a lot of voice actors that sometimes get their jobs screwed over now because video games like before in animation film animated films you could use voice actors but then they wanted actual celebrities, quote-unquote, after, mm. especially after Aladdin. So then a lot of voice actors were sort of losing their medium there, but they still had television and video games. And now a lot of Hollywood actors are going into television as well. And so video games are now, there's definitely more actors are starting to get paid for their face to be used and mm. to act in them. Yeah, uh, Keanu Reeves is in Cyberpunk 2077, yeah. which is due to be released by the end of this year. Yeah, so it's one of those things where you'd have, like, I guess there's the treatment of developers how much they get paid and the amount of hours that they have to work Mm. um as well as the voice actors and like that's a whole other conversation but it Mm. is really interesting i guess seeing how the dynamic is changing about like why is it that we need a movie for it to feel like it's a proper medium when like the story is in the video game already like and i think that's where you'd have some people arguing why do the movie when you've literally just watched it and the cinematics in the games are so impressive mm-hmm. yeah like uh, just it's as beautiful. impressive as a it's, blockbuster yeah. video game yeah one of the really pleasant experiences for me with the adaptation of the witcher um to to the tv series is in that first episode where we see henry cavill's witcher have his first fight and four or five seconds into that fight i turned to like um, my partner I was watching with and I was like they've done it it was like that's the feeling of being in the game they've captured it in the show and that was my favourite moment of watching that show I had that watching the Silent Hill movie the first Silent Hill movie Mm. I was like ah that's exactly it yeah they nailed it yeah and it's so rare to see those properties kind of capture that feeling Mm. but I think there is the capacity there for it and i think it's it's something that will continue regardless because video games do well make money there is kind of like established franchises you have an audience so you know if you say hey there's a movie we're making and it's got minecraft as the title bunch of people are going to go see that regardless of if it's good bad whatever they're going to go see it and i think it's going to be fascinating to see what those movies look like even 10 years from now hollywood yeah. studios want ip mm. they don't care if it comes from comic books or from fan fiction or from video games yeah they're doing a lot more fan fiction now and it's getting (laughs) unnerving like i was like what yeah because yeah that's yeah yeah um would you guys like some trivia yes about mortal kombat please 
Uh, now that we've had our very serious discussion about the state of uh, cross media, oh, la di da, la di da, la di da. Um, let's start with Ed Boon, who is the co-creator of the original video game of Mortal Kombat from 1992, is the voice of Scorpion. And I just thought that was kind of cool. Though they're like, um, get over here. Yeah, that was like, cool. oh. he made this game. They're like, do you want to voice your one of your most badass-looking characters? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. get over here. Um, Bridget Wilson Sampras, who played Sonya Blade, uh, performed all her own stunts. She refused to use a double, including for fight scenes. She dislocated her shoulder during one scene, but was able to fix it on set without a reoccurrence. Damn, that's—I'll give her some respect there. Because mm. yeah. Um, now Johnny Cage, um, another eye roll. Just as we said the name, that was beautiful. <laughs> I didn't even notice that I'd done it. That yeah. shows. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Lyndon Ashby played uh, Johnny Cage. He was not the first choice um they offered the role to jean-claude van damme you know what i can see why they did yeah mm. that's he was clearly street a... fighter. he was yeah. uh yeah he he turned it down to do street fighter huh. so i feel like that was a mistake maybe but but i haven't seen street fighter in probably mm. as many years as i've seen haven't seen Mortal Kombat, so yeah. maybe i should but, but watch that next johnny cage is allegedly based on jean-claude van damme like the video game creators have said that he was one of the templates for that character. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. It's like he's an actor that does his own stunts, and people believe in that it's not him. Like, and yeah, very egotistical, douchey. Yeah, mm. Claude Van Damme. Yeah, mm. I think he, I think he did pretty well. Um, Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa um, was the filmmaker's first and only choice for the role of Shang Tsung. Uh, that's who they wanted. That's who they got. Love it. He came to the audition in a costume and read his lines while standing on a chair to make himself look taller and imposing. Um, he was depicted as relatively younger in the film in order to avoid the excessive makeup that would have required um, the duplication of his aged appearance from the game. In the games, he's a much older character. Um, oh, okay. But they were like, we'll, we'll just make him a bit younger for this story. But yeah, they were like, we really want that guy. And watching it, I Thank think... God. Because he's... He's bro, great. He's, he's so... He's the best thing about the film yeah watching it we were all in agreement going like he's really good at this like he's he's so great he's just born to play a villain yeah yeah, like I said he's probably maybe the nicest guy ever because like I was like that face man he he knows how to work it to make himself yeah yeah he he, he did a really good job Um, around six minutes in uh, there is the appearance of a film director with, with Johnny Cage yes. um, saying, Johnny, you got to do the last shot. Um, that was originally going to be a cameo appearance for Steven Spielberg, uh, which for anyone who's listening to these episodes in chronological order uh, after last week's Blues Brothers episode is the second time oh. that we've mentioned Steven Spielberg cameos, which is just such a fun coincidence. Um, he was due to make an appearance, but there was a scheduling conflict which forced him to back out. Um, however, they clearly made up the person who did play the director to look as much like Steven Spielberg yeah. as they could. <laughs> it's a spinning yeah. image. He was really good. Um, yeah. Now, originally, the character of Kano was Japanese-American. However, Ed Boon and John Tobias were really impressed with the actor Trevor Goddard, who played him. They retconned it in future games so that Kano was Australian. They really liked what Kano, the guy that played Kano in this film with the metal eye. They were like, you know what? We should have an Australian character. So they changed the character from being Japanese-American to Australian in future games. Because of this movie. Because of this movie. And this... Okay. Now, now before we continue... <laughs> okay. This, this 
listeners at home, uh, the two Australians in the room, who are not me, are both grabbing their heads in interesting ways. How was... How was Kano the Australian? One... <laughs> okay, he was an Australian. He was like, clearly British. He was clearly yeah, trying British. to do him an Australian. And, that, and I knew... Some kind of weird accent. The thing is, you, like, I don't know, you'd agree. You knew straight away he was attempting an Australian accent. Oh, yeah. Like, straight... Some of his words, he was like... I don't know. And then he's like, oh, I'm English. Like, it was just... <laughs> and I thought, oh, okay. Like you said, oh, the character's Australian and they just got an English actor. But the fact that <laughs> they looked at it and went, no. Oh, yeah. That should be... Who needs a Who needs a Japanese-American playing this part? Let's just make him a white Aussie. Let's change all the games from here on. And, and, but that doesn't... From that character. Yeah. And that... I mean, that's just so stupid because he didn't even do it well. Like You, you have correctly identified that um, that Goddard, Trevor Goddard, was not Australian. Oh, no? Um, he was... Was uh, he English or South African? He was born in England, but he turned up to the audition, did the accent, claimed to be Australian, and they believed him and oh. put him in the film. <laughs> They're all British. Oh, oh, my God. They only found out after the film that he was English. Of course how... English. Of course he was English. That that upsets me so much because like he's clearly Is that accent really that No. No. I'm saying nothing. I'm... Like when you heard that man, did yeah. you think, wow, that's an Australian accent? When I first heard it, I went I I could I I could see how you could be fooled by it, but that was after one sentence. No, the first sentence I was like, he's meant to be Aussie. Yeah. And then straight away. Well, I was like, see, oh. I'd read this beforehand, so I knew about the fact that he wasn't Australian. But when I heard that first sentence for, as a non-Australian, or at least not as someone who's born here, I went, yeah, I could see someone buying that um, as as an Australian accent because someone who's never heard an Australian before. Yeah, sure. and in fairness, like for example, before I moved here. The most common Australian voices that I had come across as between the ages of zero to fourteen were Steve Irwin and yeah. people playing Australians in things like The Simpsons. That was basically it. They yeah. they were all the voices that we had. We have more Australians in me and and, and uh, Crocodile Dundee, uh, Paul Hogan. Like that that was kind of about it. Yeah, but even then, his voice is nothing like Steve Irwin or Paul Hogan. No. Um, uh, but there's this vague like. Oh yeah, that sounds kind of Australian switch, which I think everyone who yeah. isn't Australian has. But they go, we get it. You're the guys that live on the upside yeah, down but, bit. But do you know what that makes me so <laughs> sexy? The same with like like Pacific Rim and all those. Like there are so many Australian actors in America, and mm. like they just keep giving it to British people, <laughs> and they keep going, yeah, no, that sounds that sounds right. And That'll then every do. and then every Australian That'll in the do. cinema, like listening to it, go like. What the fuck? Like it was the same with like the spy who dumped me, oh. and they were like the two Aussie backpackers, and I'm like, mm. how many Australians are in England? Mm. Like, and they were like, yeah, no, this will, this will do, and everyone was like, that's that's the that's the worst. The and most recent series of Doctor Who when they're in the outback and they have the two cops who are like passably Australian. Part, you know what? But, like, that was that was good, the but first, borderline, a borderline. Like, like again, I think Australian accents really hard. They get the first sentence, like mm. the, the that guy. First sentence, and then I was like, oh, no, he's English. Like, my brain tried to do the yeah. tick over, but then he didn't win me over. I was like, yeah. And it was the same with the Doctor Who one, is that I think you can do a sentence, and then afterwards it just it goes. I don't know, man. Australian accents are hard, They're and really I hard. don't appreciate that 
Australians learn the English and the American and they do it really well and then people try to do the like um the good place again same oh thing they had an Oof. English woman doing Oof. an Australian accent and it was the worst thing I'd ever heard the worst thing I ever heard Elizabeth Moss in um Top of the Lake oh yeah is probably the closest I've heard to getting a good Australian accent but like then it's like every every couple of sentences there's one that's jarringly out of place mm. kate mckinnon does a good australian but same thing like she her r's like she'll hit the r's very american yeah um and it's a very queenslander sounding accent mm. yeah it, yeah it but that's consistently yeah it, wrong in that way it's yeah. weird it's like it oh that's its own thing <laughs> at least they went with the character whose name is kano which sounds Kind of Australian. Come on, Kano. I mean, look, yeah, I will if give If I them had that. a Kelpie, yeah, I'd call it Kano. Kano. That yeah. does work, but I, I'm a bit upset that they were like, oh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's like one of those movies where it's like, yeah, combat, and we're having like clearly Eastern themes, but like the majority of the cast are all going to be white, and mm. then to then go, oh, yeah, no, that guy was meant to be Japanese American. But this white guy came in. He was so. He, he's Australian. He he's so even, convincing. He wasn't even a good actor. Like, that's what gets me. He wasn't. He, it wasn't like he came in and, like, wowed them. Like, he was just mm. not a good actor. Mm. Oh, my God. That's so. You know, I'm sorry, America. Get f- That's like. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's anyway, move on from, <laughs> from Accent Gate. Because, um, yeah. That just angers me. Yeah. yeah. All right. The locations in Thailand that they were filming at were so remote, um, they were only accessible by boat. Cast crew and equipment had to be transported by long canoes, not short canoes, long canoes. Uh, An outhouse was built in a secluded area near the set so that the crew didn't have to make constant trips to and from the mainland to use the loo, as they were doing at the start of production. Oh my gosh. I think that maybe got half a day in. Like, (laughs) toilets are a... A pretty basic necessity for yeah. for a, a film set. I guess yeah. at first they might have thought, oh no, like you can hold and then during your lunch break or whatever, like maybe it's like an hour boat ride or it must yeah. be something like that. Not too bad, but still a bit of a hassle. But then I think halfway, yeah, through the first day, yeah. they were like, nah, this nah, is we're, nah. But hey, it was worth it because the, the locations look amazing. They look great. They were. I mean, yeah, this film is really it's quite beautiful. And here's the thing, you know what is going to annoy me with the new Mortal Kombat movie is it's going to be green screen. The entire mm. thing. Because they're filming it in Australia, yeah? They filmed it in Adelaide Studios, yeah. Yeah, so... And we're, uh, we're going to be critiquing those Australian accents. Uh, uh, well, I, you, you know what? How pissed I'd be if <laughs> the one Australian was not played by an Aussie. I'd be so upset. I'd be like, I'd be like, yeah, no, we got this New Zealander to play him. I'd be like, get yeah. But we sh- there's like thousands of them working on your film. Just like, You're shooting in Adelaide. No, nah, the accent wasn't right. Um, Bridget Wilson Sampras uh, read and auditioned for the part of Sonya Blade several times but due to the long casting process she ended up choosing to do the film Billy Madison Um, so instead um, they were like hey Christina Applegate do you want to do it and she said no so they ended up casting Cameron Diaz Cameron Diaz was originally going to be in this film. She'd just come off The Mask, which was like her big kind of massive breakthrough. Yeah. It was a crazy breakout. She did the training, but broke her wrist during training. So she couldn't then do the film because it was just before they were due to shoot. She broke her wrist and they were like, we can't have you because 
you've got a broken wrist and it's going to delay the production too much. Fortunately for them, filming on Billy Madison had just wrapped, which meant that uh, Bridget Wilson's Empress was available again. So she took on the role, but it meant that she had to fly out the next day. She had the thing at the start of the film where Johnny Cage gets the mystery box where it's like, you fly the next day. Um, <laughs> she, she had that and she had to train for the big fight scenes between shooting shots. Which is maybe why something you said when you were watching this, Kate, her um, her fighting didn't seem as clean as some of the others. Yeah, and I get, look, I get her not wanting to use a stunt double. And I think it's hard because her main fight was out during daylight in mm. the sun. Like the ladder fight sequences, I wouldn't be surprised and I assumed that there were some stunt doubles there in that fight sequence. And mm. I thought I had noticed it, but had done so well because it's like stark lighting and shadows and you can do a faraway shot but like in the middle of the beach that can be hard to do yeah. but i also feel like her own maybe ego of wanting to prove herself affected some of the fighting sequences mm-hmm. because like it would be better to have some i don't know or maybe she wanted to keep it consistent because mm. uh, you know yeah. she, she wasn't like a fighter fighter but she was like you know combat you know, brawling mm. kind of fighter. And that's fine. But... It was weird, actually, just watching this film now, having seen what, uh, 25 years later, what we would consider an action fight scene. Mm. What the the complexity of the choreography that we're used to now. Um, that these fights did seem pretty simple and straightforward. Yes. Um, mm. By today's standards. Even in, like, even in, like, gun shootout films like John Wick. Yeah. Oh, but like, but food. yeah, but like things like the Matrix and that the their fight sequences and the way that they're shot as well. Uh, well, I think we're just used to a much faster paced. Um, I'm not. Mis- I mean, like yes and no, but I mean also if you look at a lot of like um, uh, Chinese like action films that they mm. had been doing, you know, mm. all their films in the '60s and '70s they were doing stuff that mm. Hollywood didn't even catch up to until like the nineties. Like, yeah. so when you, and that's because the people that they had as the stunt fighters actually knew how to fight and the people filming them knew how to film those fights. I mean, there was the downside. It was like, man, just throw this brick at your head and we'll give you an extra 50 bucks. Like, mm. so they you know, they were not protected the stunt performers, but the sequences looked great because they knew how to film it and they just went all out with the craziness and i think that the director he was like close to getting there like in some sequences like there's clearly some homages to like the chinese style filmmaking and when you have the two actors that clearly were the stronger fighters that clearly knew how to do combat it didn't look that bad it actually looked pretty good it was Mm -hmm. when you had actors that didn't know how to do it that they tried to do the chopping yeah, you know, to make her look stronger, yeah. that they think it showed, and that sort of stilted the fight because you'd go to the leading guy, Lou, and he, he's like, bam, bam, and he's like doing, he's like kicking the guy, and you're like, that's cool, and then you go to Blade Girl, and she's like hits, but her arm, like I'm not even a combat person, I guess you watch enough, mm. is that her arm just sort of laxed a bit, like yeah. it didn't say strong, like, and so it showed that there was no follow through, follow through yeah. and it and it sh- and it showed like she stumbled a bit and, it, yeah. and that that's what makes it look weak where it's sort of mm. like oh if you can't do proper combat at least maybe go for a brawling type maybe she's a bar brawler like I mean, she doesn't have to know mm. kung fu or tai you I know guess the like, um the characters in the game have specific 
yeah. moves mm. and specific fighting styles, I'm guessing. So, mm. yeah. Um, according to Lyndon Ashby, or Johnny Cage, uh, the medic on set for LA also acted as the set security guard. He took his job very seriously um, and basically sent a very well-known Hollywood actor from the set because he was not in this film. He kicked out Tom Cruise. Damn! Tom Cruise turned up to be like, hey, there's some filming going on. I'm just going to turn up and watch it. I'm Tom Cruise. And the guy went, no, you're not. Are you in this film? Get out of here. Brilliant. Good. That's Hmm. his job. Yeah. Good on him. Uh, Director Paul W.S. Anderson uh, credits Christopher Lambert... Raiden, for smoothing over his first job on a big movie. Lambert, a veteran of several Hollywood blockbusters by this point, never got overwhelmed by the large scale of production, and his laid-back attitude positively influenced the other less less experienced people on the set. Uh, Ed Boon, the co-creator of the original game, admitted that Lambert did a great job despite not being Asian like the character's depiction in the game. So it was originally an Asian character. Yeah, cool. Um, (laughs) Since Lambert was the most expensive actor on set, the production could only afford him for a few weeks of close-ups in the LA studio, and a stand-in would have to be used for the wide shots in Thailand. Lambert, though, believed that the movie would be better if he came and played his character all the time. So he went to Thailand for no extra charge um, and also paid for the cast rap party afterwards. See, that's nice of him. Is he still a trash actor? Yeah, man. I don't think he can act for that. <laughs> but, like, that's still a decent person. Well, well, guess who was the first choice for Raiden who turned it down? Who? Another Highlander. Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Oh, God. Sean Connery would have been... was the first choice to play the role of Raiden. He turned Ooh. it down. Because he didn't understand it? No, he turned it down because he wanted to play golf. <laughs> he, was, he, he wasn't interested in playing a super physical role, and he just wanted to play some golf. So Christopher Lambert ended up getting the part. Yeah. Well, if you can't get Sean Connery, Christopher Lambert is the next best thing. Or you could get, I don't know, an Asian... An Asian actor. An Asian actor. Like, I don't know what the character's meant to be originally, but, like, mm. who's meant to be, like, Japanese or Chinese or, mm. like, yeah. Any, yeah, you could have done that. But you know what? Good on the guy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, at the very least, was a nice person when no, on No, that's set. the thing. I'm not saying that he's not a no, nice person and that, that what he did was a really decent thing and it is mm. really cool just when you hear actors cast. that just go, no, nah, man, like, my job as the actor is to be there and is to do the lines and mm. is, you know, and... I mean, there are so many movies and TV shows where the leads are like, no, nah, man, if it's just my shoulder, I'm going to have a stand and do it. And, st- yeah. and that's not allowing the other actor to actually perform because they're yeah. not acting with you. Yeah. So, yeah. He, yeah, still, still the wrong still person a, for the still role. Still the wrong person, terrible person for the role. The film sits currently as the fourth highest grossing video game film adaptation of all time. What are the other That's ones? pretty good. The three ahead of it are Laura Croft Tomb Raider, Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, which really threw me. I was like, that... I don't remember that film doing well. It wasn't good, but I think a lot of people... Mm. I think the trailers won people over. Uh, Yeah. It would have made its money back, at least. The third film on this list was the first Pokemon film. Yeah, that makes sense. Detective Pikachu? No, sorry. uh, Mewtwo Strikes Back, the animated 1998 film. So they are the three films ahead of it. I wonder if Sonic will get up there yeah sonic seems to be doing all right mm-hmm. we we may have a challenger we sh- we shall see 
Um, quickly after the movie's box office success, director Paul W.S. Anderson was asked by New Line Cinema to helm the sequel, but he had his mind set on doing something very different and had accepted an offer to direct Event Horizon. Yay! Probably uh, his best film. Yeah. He later expressed regret in not being involved in the making of Mortal Kombat Annihilation because he disliked it. Uh, it's one of the reasons why he remained involved in the making of the sequels to Resident Evil as a way of uh, staying with and shepherding the franchise. So, obviously, Event Horizon, as you just said. Uh, it's I think a... that was probably... Well, out of... <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I think that's What's his... the storyline of Event Horizon? That sounds it's really familiar. It's basically a haunted ship, spaceship. A spaceship has gone through a wormhole. Uh, Sam Neill, Lawrence Fishburne come to see what's going on with this ship. And it's been to hell and back and is now haunted with crazy... Hmm. Images of hell. It it's, sounds familiar, but I don't think I've watched it. It's ghost ship in space. Exactly. What's not to laugh? The final bit of trivia. Uh, since Paul W. S. Anderson had no experience in filming fight scenes, he shot the first fight sequence in wide, continuous shots. After multiple takes where the actors were completely exhausted, Robin Shu, who played Liu Kang, told Anderson the secret of the trade. Wide shots are generally only used for a few seconds, whereas the rest of the film, uh, the scene, sorry, is filmed with close-up shots. After the filming uh, the fight scenes, uh, Anderson realised that this was easier and amended his behaviour. I do think <laughs> it is quite an impressive film for like a second-time feature director. Oh yeah. yeah, he clearly has a vision. You know, the 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 fight sequences are nowhere near Michael Bay level hectic. You can follow you can what's follow going. It. Yeah, you can read yes. what's going on. You can understand each beat, and you can see who's winning, who's losing at all times. The yeah. story is clear, so that's the main thing. Yeah, yeah. And they got it across, and it works. Yeah, and he tried interesting things. There's and some like, cool tried angles on there. There's like, like the and... top down shots and the spinning. Yeah, so he tried. The... He tried stuff, and I was like, and he also played, and he clearly again. Um, paid homage to the actual game yeah so he was like he had some of the sequences of establishing shot of it being like a video game and i think that was good mm. i yeah michael bay pff, god <laughs> his fight scenes is like uh, hop on like a chaotic a, a chaotic roller coaster and a spinny wheel and then you want to vomit and then mm. go so did you see the fight and you're like oh yeah i guess like it's <laughs> yeah you know. um guys all we have left to do <gasps> is to score the film. Yeah. Ooh. And Kate, you get to go first um, because it was your first time watching Mortal Kombat. What score would you give it out of 10? Out of 10? You know, I'd give it a four, four and a half, like four to five. Like I enjoyed it. Mm. It was fun. It knew what it was. And I was like, yeah, man, mm. cool. So is it four or five or uh, somewhere in the middle? Somewhere in the middle. I, you know what? I'll, I'll give it a five. Mm. It's like, it knew what it was. <laughs> the actors were clearly there to have fun, uh, you know, and they it, the world was established and it did what it set out to do. Mm. And like I said at the very beginning, when the first movie finished, I was keen enough to be like, you know what? Unless I, if I didn't know that the sequel was crap, I would have gone, I, you know, I could sit down Do you and know what the, the exciting thing about the sequel is? The what? first shot of the sequel is that. Is, and that's cool. Is the last shot. Of is that, that cool? You know, <laughs> so I'm, uh, that's maybe that would maybe tempted enough to watch the sequel, and I think that that it's done its job. Yeah. So. Yeah. What about yourself, Robert? I will give it three Prince Goro arms out of four. Hmm. So is that seven and a half out of ten? Like, am I allowed to round that <laughs> yeah, up? It's about a seven. Okay. Yeah. Look, this is this is uh, uh, a lot of nostalgia talking. <laughs> mm. oh, yeah. um, but 
I'll allow it. It was. It's still enjoyable to watch to me. That music, um, though, we didn't even touch how great that opening music. I've is. I've got the soundtrack on CD. You I know used what? To dance gonna, around to that. I'm gonna hunt that time. down. That '90s mm. club. Some man, so so homoerotic this movie as well. But like <laughs> that music, though. Mm. That was some '90s. Club. It's high energy. Like if you wanna, if you wanna, a pick me up. If you wanna have some ecstasy, like all greasy, like. Yeah, dancing. If That's... you want to get ready for a night out, <laughs> yeah, check the Mortal Kombat <laughs> soundtrack on. Like I as feel you're like driving. it belongs in like Bad Boys, you know, in the club scene, like mm. you know where everyone's like, oh, the drugs. Like you could throw that soundtrack into like Bad Boys, and everyone would go, yeah, man, that works. Yeah, um, yeah, Brilliant. it's good. Uh, for me, I enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I would, and I think a bit like you, my my score is kind of like. Ah, oh, yeah, I'll give it. I'll give it that extra bit, that extra bump, because it was enjoyable, mm. and it's not a great film, no. but it is absolutely not a bad film. I, I'd even say it's better than average. Yeah, yeah, I'd say tell people, give them no expectations. Yeah, set that bar low, low, low. Yeah, and I think people will really enjoy it. Yeah, so for me, I'm going to give it six and a half dick punches out of ten, <laughs> um, and that is maybe the best dick punch I've seen in any of these films we've done on this show. Um, glorious yeah just wonderfully done and that the the Goro the animatronic puppetry I believed that he'd been hit hard in presumably his two dicks and four testicles Um, (laughs) and I just tried to cheer him on afterwards like yeah man you got this man (laughs) woo we believe oh he's not gonna survive he's still going Um, (laughs) Rob and Kate that brings us to the end of this episode thank you so much for watching Mortal Kombat with me thank you for having us what an experience (laughs) And for those of you listening at home, thank you for listening in. Hey, uh, this episode was picked partly by our patrons. They got to suggest uh, over at patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast uh, the different video game films that were up for vote. So if you want to become a Patreon member and send in film suggestions of your own, then by all means go to patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast. The vote itself took place on our Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there. There's a poll once a month where you get to help us pick what film we watch. And you know what? This was a really good fun film. So thank you to everyone who did help vote for this one. And for all you guys that voted for Street Fighter, maybe next time. And of course, uh, make sure you're subscribed so that you can hear all the different episodes as they come out each and every week. Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club and you can find us there. But that's all for this week. So until next time, flawless victory. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.